Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Hey everyone, it's Sherry Stahl, host of the Soul H2O radio and podcast show. The one that will inspire you to get into the Bible and help you understand it. It's my goal to be relatable and authentically leave you refreshed as you listen to the Soul H2O devotion. I'm so glad you've tuned in for today's episode number 136 to be like Jesus with Joe Amaral for his third time on the show. And it's our intention to inspire you to be more like Jesus. Take time to download one of the Soul H2O journal pages to help you dive deep into the teaching segment. Record the scriptures mentioned during the show and look up the verses later. Record what God speaks to you and let us know the impact to your heart. Journal pages can be downloaded from the show notes at soulh2o.com slash 136 with scripture graphics, information about our guest, or anything else mentioned in the show. Now, let's dive into today's Soul H2O devotion and get refreshed. She was used, mistreated, and rejected by her boss, the father of her child. Lonely and feeling defeated, Hagar gave up. This was the second time she'd found herself literally in the middle of the desert, this time kicked out of camp at the demands of her former boss, the one who'd gotten her into all this mess. Believing they were dying, it says Hagar began to sob. I picture one of those ugly cries when your head is low, shoulders hunched, tears are streaming, and snot is flowing. Watching her son dehydrate in the desert was Hagar's tipping point. Nothing breaks a parent's heart more than seeing your child hurting. You can handle all the other injustices and go on, but watching your kids suffer causes your heart to crumble. I had close friends lose a toddler the same age as Shelby. Isaac would be 27 now. I've seen how parents are brought to the point of collapse at the passing of a child. I'm sure they felt the loss of our Heavenly Father that he felt when he watched his son die on the cross. I love that God didn't just leave Hagar in the desert. Genesis 21 tells how the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? And encourages her, saying, Don't be afraid. God heard the boy crying as he was lying there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And God did just that. Next scripture says, God opened her eyes and Hagar saw a well of water. So she went and filled the container with water and gave the boy a drink. My heart aches for the rejection Hagar experienced. Today, there are so many people hurting because their family has been torn apart. When you go through this type of extreme heartache, you understand a little bit of what God goes through. You get a small glimpse of what the father feels when his love is rejected over and over and over. You understand a little of what Christ felt when he was treated unjustly and spoken of falsely. How comforting it is to know that God understands our pain and he cares. 
I'm not trying to equate our sufferings with the suffering Jesus endured on the cross, but after decades of singing songs like To Be Like Jesus, I think we come closer to understanding what it's like to be like him when we struggle. Sometimes we don't really realize what we're asking for when we're singing songs. In the difficult times, it's a good thing to remind yourself of what 2 Corinthians 1.5 says, For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Jesus understands and he cares. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says it this way. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You really do have a God who understands and cares, and so did Hagar. Jesus is just like the Father who reaches out and refreshes the ones people discard. People like Mary Magdalene, the Samaritan woman at the well, the widow of Nain, and the woman who wiped Jesus' feet with her tears. Jesus never leaves you in brokenness. He understands and he cares. And now it's time for you to be like Jesus. Spring is all about new beginnings, and My Joy Radio app is no exception. Never miss another minute with 24-7 access to the Joy Radio live stream, where you can hear powerful messages from the ministries you love right on your smartphone. So whether you're spring cleaning or just enjoying the sound of rain, be uplifted with the My Joy Radio app. Hallelujah. Download My Joy Radio app today and enjoy the healing of spring. Joy Radio, wherever you are. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Joe Amaral is a respected and influential Canadian Bible teacher, author and speaker born in Portugal but raised in Toronto. As a founder of Hope for Liberia, his commitment to humanitarian causes has earned him the respect and admiration of many with the building of a church, school, clinic, and soon-to-be orphanage. Joe is known for his deep understanding of the Bible and a unique ability to connect ancient teachings to modern-day life. His engaging and dynamic dynamic style has made him a popular speaker and TV host. He's authored several books like the critically acclaimed Understanding Jesus and two that we've had him on the show to talk about. Story in the Stars, Episode 8, Get Off Your Ash, Episode 87, and now his latest release on Episode 136, Jesus Lee. Welcome back to the Soul H2O Radio and Podcast Show, Joe. Well, after that kind of an introduction, I hope I can live up to all that. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> you absolutely can. And, you know, I I know you personally now. Uh, we've, you know, spent a lot of time together as couples and getting to know each other, not just having you on the show. And wow. I know that you truly are someone who is 
Jesus Lee. And people are going to find out what Jesus Lee is all about. But first off, I know you are a Bible teacher. And so I want you to share a a Bible study tool and tip, something that people can really just implement into their own lives. Well, for me, in, in what I've come to understand and learn about the scriptures, is that you always have to take the culture and the historical context into consideration when you're studying a passage. Uh, too much misunderstanding has happened when we try to understand, you know, a two thousand year old book from our Western perspective. And so, I would really encourage people: always go deep, go back to the culture, go back to the history, because that's how we get it right. And and that's why we need to learn from you, Joe, because not a lot of us can take the time to to go to Israel. Like, how many trips have you taken to Israel? Well, to date, I've gone 47 times, and I have two more trips this year and four next year. So it'll it's keep going up. <laughs> Yeah. And you've taken the time, you've done the the television show, First Century Foundations, really studying. And we can learn so much, you know, from your teachings, your YouTube videos teach people so much about the history and the culture each of your books do. And, And this one is, you know, adding to that, really highlighting so much that you've learned in the past. And that really does affect how we understand scripture when we can understand the historical, the cultural implications of everything that we we read. So I know you love God's word. You've Mm. spent your life studying it and writing about it. And so I'm wondering, what's a verse that's really been speaking to you lately? I mean, in in preparing for for this book for Jesus Lee, I really spent a lot of time in the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to talk about like why Luke, when, when writing a book about Jesus, you know, behavior. And Luke chapter nineteen, there's a whole story there of when he, you know, meets Zacchaeus, the tax collector in Jericho, and, and I love verse five of that. You know, in the midst of this, all the hate that. Zacchaeus would have been receiving the the gossip about him as a as a cheat and a tax collector and a traitor. Jesus chooses not to use uh, the language that the culture gave to Zacchaeus, but he looks at him and he didn't say, "Hey, traitor, come down from that tree." Hey, 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 thief! You know, hey, cheat! He says, "Hey, Zacchaeus," which means pure one. He says, "Come down out of that tree. I want to have with you tonight." And I love that Jesus kind of just blows by all the just the the, the groupings that people had had given him in, and the identification that people had given him. And he he says, no, I see you not for what you are, but for what who you can be someone who is pure. And so Luke 19, verse five really spoke to me as I was, you know, preparing for the writing of this book. Yeah. And I love how it shows the heart of Jesus that he sees the people that others don't see. And he welcomes them in. And and that is just the message of your book. And as we're going to talk about it, but I I love the title. It's cute. It's catchy. Yeah. (laughs) But maybe you could tell the the story behind, like, how did you come up with this name? You know, I had all these really grandiose titles for the life of Jesus. They were epic and sweeping titles and all that, you know. And I was like, hey, Amaral, what are you doing? That's not you. You're not that epic. Don't, you don't talk like that, you know. And so uh, I kind of went back to a time when our son Daniel was, I think he was around eight years old and we were just sitting around chatting and he didn't know how to say Christ-like, you know, or godly. So instead of saying, you know, we need to be more Christ-like, he said, daddy, we need to be more Jesus-ly, you know, like more like him. And (laughs) 
that just stuck. And for the last, what, 12, 13, 15 years, whatever it's been, we still use that in our family. Like if one of us does something, we're like, hey, was that Jesus Lee? You know, <laughs> so <laughs> as I was preparing, you know, to write this book about, you know, imitating the behavior of Jesus, it couldn't be anything else but Jesus Lee. Mm-hmm. And, and I love, you know, in the beginning, you try to say that this book is going to be more focused on the actions of Jesus and not into the cultural uh, mm-hmm. portions. But you really can't separate that. And I love, you know, you, yeah. you're constantly going back to the cultural uh, implications of the scriptures that you're talking about, because mm-hmm. it just it really cannot be separated, can it? Yeah, I, I mean, it's like I said at the outset, you know, you got to take the culture and the, the historical context, you know, into consideration. And I tell people all the time, like, you know, the Bible was written for us, but it wasn't written to us, you know, it wasn't written to to, to Joe and, and to Sherry two thousand years later in Canada. These guys are writing to us a very specific ethnic group of people living in, in a geographical area at a at a time in history. And so, even though the message is is for us, it's not to us. So there's a lot that we don't understand because we don't understand the vernacular, the culture, the religious traditions at the temple, and all that kind of stuff. So even though I didn't set out for this to be another, you know, Hebraic Roots books, well, that is in there because that helps you. That's the bedrock. That's the foundation for understanding who Jesus was and and why he saw people a certain way. Or even why, you know, why did the the, the Pharisees see people a certain way and, and, and how was Jesus for you different? So, no, you can't separate the two because the one is the foundation for the other. Well, we have to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about how Jesus came for the outcast, the outsider and the overlooked and how Joe talks about this in his new book, Jesus Lee. I'm Joe Amaral from episode 136 and the music pick song for the Soul H2O radio and podcast show is I See Grace by Micah Taylor. I've seen shame, the kind that comes from Discover a world of inspiration and information on our website. From the latest news to inspirational Christian devotions and everything in between, we've got it all. Visit us now and see why our website is the go-to destination for everything you need. Check us out today at joyradio.ca. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. We're back from the break with Joe Amaral, author, speaker, and TV host. I love that you base this on the book of Luke. Luke definitely, uh, you know, if I have to choose a favorite gospel, I would love, I I think Luke is my favorite writer because, you know, of of his inclusion of women. And what were the reasonings why you chose the book of Luke? I mean, if I'm going to be stranded on a desert island and they say you can take one book from the Bible, it's it's Luke. I don't even have to think about it. Um, You know, every time I talk about Jesus, I always say, you know, Matthew, Mark and John wrote one way, but Luke comes at it from a completely different angle because Luke is like us. He's a Gentile. He's an outsider as far as the people are concerned. So when Matthew, Mark, and John are writing to their fellow countrymen, to the Jews of the time, 
they're sharing stories with them that are going to affirm their belief in a Messiah and, and what to look for. And you have to understand that at that time, there was no other religion, no other holy book that was promising or prophesying a Messiah. No one, only Israel, only the Jewish people were expecting a Messiah. So there was no way that they would consider for a moment that the Messiah would be for anyone else but them. <laughs> it wasn't that they didn't think anybody wasn't good enough. No, it just it wasn't for anyone else. It was just for them. And then Luke comes along and he says, hang on a second. Look at what Jesus did. He goes way outside the culture. He even goes geographically outside of the boundaries of Israel. Look at the people he's loving. Look at the people he's including. And Luke has the message that Jesus is really the Messiah for the masses, not just for this one group of people. And so Luke records stories and interactions between Jesus and people that none of the other gospel writers include, not because they weren't important, but because they weren't necessary. So, you know, Luke is the one who, who tells the story of the Good Samaritan, that God would use a Gentile, an unclean Samaritan to actually help a Jewish, you know, uh, person. And over and over again, there are dozens of illustrations of how Luke records stories that are unique to him because his narr narrative is Jesus is for everyone. He's not just for Jerusalem. He's for everyone. And that's why I wanted to choose Luke, because I wanted to show the side of Jesus that we don't always see in the other Gospels. We see him going to the women. He's, he's going to the unclean, to the outsider, to the outcast, to everyone. And that's why I wanted to to use Luke. I think that's what makes us Jesusly, that we do, you know, look to people who are the outcasts, the outsiders, the overlooked people. And because, you know, at one point we were one of those people until he mm -hmm. called us in. We, you know, I don't know from my experience, at times feeling like you are outcast of society, you're the outsider, or you've mm -hmm. been overlooked. And yeah. so I think it is just wonderful how you point out that that is truly the the pinnacle of being Jesusly, Jesusly is yeah. to reach out to people and to love them well. So Joe, who is someone in the book, there's so many examples there, but mm -hmm. maybe one story where you could highlight where someone was either the outcast, the outsider, overlooked, and how Jesus responded to them mm -hmm. and how we should respond to others. I mean, for me, the part of the book that really resonated was the section on those who were overlooked. And, and that, that was the women in the life of Jesus, the women at the time of Jesus. You know, the outcasts, these were... Jewish people who were cast out by fellow Jews because, you know, they had a disease and one guy was a tax collector and hated it. So they're kind of pushed to the outskirts of the community. The outsiders are the Romans, like the Roman soldiers that Jesus deals with. And there's some beautiful stories of forgiveness and faith in there. But the overlooked, I mean, I, I, I took three stories out of more than a dozen that I could have, but three that I focused on. And the one story of a woman who was overlooked is, again, only told to us by Luke. And I love the fact that even though what happens between her and Jesus is so powerful, but yet she's unnamed. Mm -hmm. And it, it's about her actions. It's about what she did. It wasn't about her 
It wasn't about her name, her family, where she came from. And the story is, that as Luke records it, that Jesus is dining at the house of a Pharisee, and he says that he's sitting at their table. And if we don't understand the history and the culture, we don't know what a big deal that is. For the Pharisees to invite somebody into their home, first of all, they had to be kosher. They had to follow all the laws of the Torah, 100%. But then to be seated at their table, the head table, that means they saw Jesus as an equal in terms of his ability to, to teach as a rabbi. So that's a big deal for him to be there. And in the midst of them just kind of chit-chatting and starting the meal, in walks this woman. And she is not allowed to be in the house of a Pharisee because the Bible just says, in a woman who came from, you know, a sinful life. That's it. He leaves it to us to consider what that life might have been. And she comes and she she lays herself at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that she begins to, you know, pour out her, her tears on his feet and wash them and, and then dry his feet with her hair. And it's beautiful. And if you didn't know the background, it's a beautiful story of repentance, no matter what. But once you know the background, it, it just, it, it changes everything because we know that in Pharisaical Judaism at that time, you had to have a certain amount of water in a container in order to immerse a person's feet in order for it to be considered, you know, kosher, that it was acceptable. And so you got to ask yourself, is it possible for one woman to cry so many tears at one sitting that she could fill like, you know, an entire pot that his ankles could be submerged in? It's, <laughs> it's next to impossible, right? I don't care how bad of a day you're having. Like, that's a lot of tears. But then we, we learn that in the Old Testament, there was a tradition and a practice of preserving the tears of families. There was these special jars called lacrimas that were set up in a way that you could press them up against your cheek underneath your eye. And when you would cry, the tear would be collected to this jar. And at every funeral, every, every death, every sad event in your life, every tragedy, you would collect more tears and add them to this jar. So you can imagine it would take generations and generations to fill up that jar. And the only way she would have enough tears to cover his feet is if she had that lacrima jar and poured them out at his feet. And so she didn't just pour out her tears, but it was the pain and suffering of her entire familial history. And it's such a story of repentance. And Jesus honors her in front of these great Pharisees. And this is what Jesus does. He takes those who are outcasts and outsiders and overlooked, and he sees them for who they truly and really are. And that's what being Jesusly is being about. So who in our lives can we love like that? Who can we show that kind of acceptance to? That's the message behind Jesusly. I love this story. When I was reading in your book, it just came to life in such new ways. And, you know, as someone who's gone through difficult times, do you think that her whole family, generations of pain and suffering, Jesus ministers to them all. Joe, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing this. I hope everyone gets this book because we need to become more Jesusly to show the world how wonderful it is to know him. Thank you so much Amen. for being on today. Amen. Thank you, Sherry.
Joe and I set our intention for this show to inspire you to be more like Jesus. And I hope we've helped you to see what it means to be Jesusly. My challenge for you is to not let people hurt alone. Reach out to someone who's hurting and be Jesusly this week. From all of us here at Joy Radio, we're so glad you joined us for episode 136 to Be Like Jesus. Make sure to check out the show notes for scripture graphics, information about our guest, and links to anything mentioned in the show at soulh2o.com slash 136. I hope you'll share this episode with your friends and family to help spread the word about Soul H2O. Until next week, I'm praying you stay blessed and refreshed. We appreciate your support to help Soul H2O Ministries continue and want to thank all of you who partner with us in making this Joy Radio show a reality so people can come and get refreshed. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O Podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world.